Welcome back to the 202030 podcast. I am Max, one of the co-founders of 202030, the Berlin Fashion Summit, um, as well as of the consulting studio M M04 and a few other things uh, like Fashion Revolution Germany and Forn, the Berlin Fashion Hub. Unfortunately, my dear colleague Magdalena is ill today. Um, that's just the time of the year again. And also, it's still a corona out there. Just a friendly reminder to protect yourself and others. Other than that... Uh, Short back view. Last uh, time we were joined, or you were joined, by our colleague Lou, who interviewed our friends from Auf Augenhöhe and Don Denim, and kind of continued a conversation from our last uh, 2020 pop-up conference uh, in January. They talked about inclusivity in fashion and how that is a key component of social and cultural sustainability. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. For me, it was lovely to follow. And I'm really looking forward to the next steps in that collaboration also. This week, we'll explore cultural sustainability from a different standpoint. And uh, it's more about the question how culture can be a lever for industry change. And, um, well, culture obviously has so many different dimensions, but we're going to dive into that a little bit uh, in, in a moment. Before that... With no further ado, let me introduce my dear guest here. Today we are joined live in the studio by Hendrik Heuermann. Little funny side note maybe, we did actually study together many, many, many years ago in my beloved hometown Osnabrück. We might uh, touch that um, on the side. Um, it doesn't, it's not the reason why you're here today, but it's a nice, um, interesting side note. Uh, the reason why you're here today um, is because you work for HMM for so many years, since 2011, I think. And you also work on sustainability since then. And that is something we have in common. And obviously, we had a few other touch points in between. So, Henrik, welcome. Uh, thanks so much for having me and good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here, really. And it's so nice to talk in person also. So, Obviously, we did check in a little bit beforehand and we had also a really interesting event together, an HMM event, um, I think by now three or four weeks ago, um, where there was a lot of openness about the approach, how HMM is, is, is becoming more and more sustainable. And I think the main topic there, the, the, the overarching scheme was that it's not about perfection, but it's about, um, no, it wasn't passion, it progress. was progress, exactly. And I must say that was a very inspiring exchange for me. We had really interesting conversations there. Um, and I felt also a little bit of a new openness around HMM. Not that HMM hasn't been open before, obviously, for many years. Transparency Index, you leading it, not maybe as the perfect leader, as uh, from a fashion revolution point of view, I would say, but you're still leading it, which is a great achievement. Um, but yeah, I feel there's a new openness in general also there is this moment of reality check in the industry do you also have this feeling uh, how is that for you at hmm is there all these crises of the last couple of years with the continuous sustainability pressure etc um yeah do you also see this reality check moment in the industry absolutely i mean um When I started, I want to say the role of the company was totally different. So um, more than 10 years ago, 
um, everybody tried to be, you know, perfect. There couldn't be any mistakes along the value chain. If there were, you you would be called out, right? Yeah. So um, I would say today it's more okay to to say we don't have all the answers, um, but still. We want you to understand where we're heading and what we want to achieve. And um, I think there's, a, as you were saying, a new openness. It's true, but there's also a new openness in the the audiences we we talk to. I mean, it's it's more okay, I, I would say, to talk about the process. Yeah. As you were in. And I feel, I mean, we have a really big change in, in like the overall uh, playing field, I would say, that is in, in, in Europe at least, but it will have a global effect. I'm quite sure the European textile strategy, where a lot of new legislation is on its way. Um, but also, I feel another interesting trigger that is less obvious. Basically, I feel now let's say 10 years after like a, a lot of um, sustainability communication from a lot of uh, also big corporates like your own um, has reached the people. And I feel even though most of that was obviously always trying to be positive and so on, at the same time with, with all the backlashes and a lot of NGOs counter communicating, etc., I feel there's, there's a general notion within the consumer space um, that anyway, it's not all fine and, and they don't need this polished storyline anymore because most of them are a bit more, well, it's anyway, I would guess most consumers think it's anyway shit, but it's it's so far away and we, we, we it's too complicated, we can't care. And so at the end of the day, I'm still sticking with, with, with the products I like because I like them uh, and the price is all right. But I feel somehow for a company nowadays, you could be so much more open because I think the public opinion is is already, well, fashion is dirty. That's obvious. In, I mean, fashion supply chains. Do you think this is something that is in the background there and, and, and helps uh, companies to, I don't know, approach consumers differently? I'm not so sure about this um, because um, if you look at the general idea behind this strategy from European Union it's as much as I understand that they want to regulate everything um, I think it's a dangerous and false notion of saying we control it and if we don't find a mistake it's perfect yeah. I'll give you one example um, some people say Along the value chain, you have to set a smart goal of zero complaints in the factories you yeah. work with. And we object. We say it makes no sense to have a goal of zero because if you want to hear zero, you get exactly zero complaints. Yeah, But that's not the point of a complaint mechanism, right? No, it sounds like a complaint mechanism in a dictatorship a bit. Uh, that could exactly. come to this exact example. Exactly. So so I'm saying um, as much as I understand the wish to regulate the industry, and there are certainly many aspects that need regulation, absolutely. Yeah. 
um, I want to make sure your listeners also um, understand our view of saying there is a huge ambiguity along the sustainability efforts uh, of uh, fashion industry. So there is just very, very seldomly um, a black and white scenario of saying this is a perfect supply or this is a terrible one. Yeah, Mostly, totally. it's a gray zone, yeah. right? So, so you were asking what do consumers say? Now, I would say the consumers in general are open to seeing the reality is much more gray than black and white. Yeah. But we cannot uh, overstimulate them with data, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because... Um, What we as as brand want is to inspire customers, right? And that's what every fashion brand wants to do. You don't want to lecture people when they come into your store. So it's a I think it's a delicate and fine balance to to inform, but not overwhelm people. Yeah, I mean, I guess this this modern buzzword infotaining is also coming in this the same direction, and it's it's one of these things where, yeah, for example, sustainability communication and and marketing etc. can come together. Um, yeah, I think my my thought was just on on like, okay, also the consumer mindset has changed in the last ten years, and I think it's more open, like you said, at the end for the, these gray uh, zones in the, in the in the in the um, storylines, which is closer to reality because reality is seldomly black and white um right but i mean actually thinking about this topic it, it does trigger another question uh for me because i mean fashion yeah as you said it's it's always been inspiring and and i think most fashion brands would aim to inspire their their customers not just for the sales at the end i hope but also for If you're really a fashion brand, then you believe in somehow bringing something new to the society, something that is kind of a cultural trigger um, for whatever, maybe it's fun or being also something critical. There's a lot of fashion designers that actually try to bring in, you know, critical work um, from from what they see, etc. It's an art form also, after all, still. Um, so if you think about that... I always wonder, with all these discourses around fashion companies needing to clean up their, their value chains, I think that's obvious. We've been talking about that for many decades now. We can kind of con converse, discuss how far we got. But I think there's another thing that is discussed too little, and that's the communication power of fashion companies. And uh, I see this in the context of we live in a world with little hope especially for young generations. Um, I still grew up, I think, for quite a while, and I guess it's the same for you, with this general promise of things will be better. I will possibly, gonna, I don't know, earn more money in a classic way than my parents. That's not my initial goal. But just in a term of I might have even more comfortable life than my parents. This was still something I grew up with. But I think that's completely gone in our society here now. And I always wonder... If not also, we are creating a, a, a really psychological problem with 
all these negative future scenarios. And it is complicated because they are there. And I think we need to talk about the negative future scenarios. I don't want to talk them, take them away. But I feel we're lacking inspiration for a positive future. And I do wonder so and so often with all these millions that fashion companies put into their marketing, couldn't we market more for positive futures? What do you think? I believe, first of all, you're right in saying we need more hope uh, and uh, more optimistic uh, vision. Because I believe it's very easy nowadays to just go back in, and lie down on your sofa and go into despair mode and say it doesn't change anything. Yeah. Right? Um, but I also believe there is almost no faster way to make you feel good in your own skin than to express yourself with fashion, right? So I believe um, all the companies in the fashion industry have a vehicle to make people feel good in their own skin. And, and that's I want to say the first step into empowering people to envision something really positive for the future. Now, I don't believe it's um, the role of a company to map out a future exactly. Um, well, I guess nobody can even. Nobody can, I agree. But still... Uh, to in these times of so many regulations left and right, to say, yes, we want to fulfill them, but also we are brave enough to talk about the future and we can envision the world we want to live in in, in 10 years and 20 years. Um, I believe that's the role of many companies. Now, you were asking, shouldn't they invest more marketing budget in this. I disagree a bit because uh, although I understand the wish, I'd say every marketing is optimistic and every marketing is positive. Otherwise, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get customers to buy your things, right? Well, I guess there's always exceptions, but they only work because usually it works like that. Exactly. I mean, the famous Patagonia jacket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it also worked in a different way. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder, obviously, I mean, there's, it's just a very open thought. Uh, serious. This is not, not uh, something finished. But I do wonder I, uh, if these marketing uh, investments could trigger also other developments. At the same time, I'm critical myself because I don't even really believe in, let's say, uh, uh, influencing consumers. I don't think that we can do that a lot I, because changing somebody's behavior, established patterns, is, is a lot of, of, of energy that needs to go in there. I ju just know it for myself. Like I don't know even anymore how many years I'm telling myself to do more sport or to live more health. It's complicated to change behaviors. Everybody sh probably knows that. Um, and that's no difference than obviously from consumers. So at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm kind of criticizing my, my own uh, idea there. And still somewhere in between, I feel, 
there is a space where fashion is very influential on, on our lifestyles and on ideas how this lifestyle looks like and what what is attractive, what do we want to have in our lives. And there is some elements, obviously, where also kind of probably more and more psychology-based analytics go into marketing and where one looks into, okay, how can we trigger the people? And somewhere in between there, I feel there's a space that is not explored enough for sustainability communication um, in, in a positive way yeah? because, yeah, we have more than enough negative sustainability communication. And But, yeah, but where are you going to go with this world? Do you want a 1.5-degree hotter world, a 2-degree hotter world, a 3-degree hotter world? There is no positive scenario in there. And that, I think, it's also taking away energy from our societies that be invested in the change. So it's a really complicated moment in time, I feel. Can I add to the complexity? Um, because I believe sometimes it's a bad idea to talk about sustainability. You just have to do it. Let me give you an example. We did not advertise a lot um, which garments in store had sustainable cotton. You could read it when you they had the the tag in store. You could look for a green hang tag, but we didn't say this is the organic corner, right? So instead, we kind of mixed it without the customers knowing it. Mm. Mix it. So ten years after, so it took us ten years. To go from the first try of uh, organic cotton to having only sustainably sourced cotton. And we didn't do it by, by saying this collection is so organic, please buy that one. Instead, we, we kind of, you know, invited our customers to, to buy whatever they wanted and slowly but surely increased their share of. Uh, sustainable cotton. So, although I understand where you're going, sometimes I believe it's the responsibility of a company just to do the right thing and make the customers uh, surprised at the cash point of saying, oh, nice, and that was sustainable. Which is also positive communication then again at the end. Huh? And maybe this actually leads to... to um, I mean, I think it's good to leave this over-complexity maybe behind us a little bit. Uh, I thank you for, for going this route with me and I'm sure we're going to discuss more about this eventually because I do feel for the future it is an important part. But um, maybe get a little bit more concrete because now we talked, you talk concretely about the customer and an experience of the customer. And I feel that is, uh, um, when we talk about culture, this is a very important field now. Um, the two main aspects, when we say uh, there is cultural dimension missing in this whole sustainability game, because only with culture, within culture, we can implement what we all have come up with as potential solutions. Huh? Um, and I think there's two main points when I talk about culture, consumption culture and work culture. Um, where we have to change things. And then let's start with consumption culture. So I feel within, with sustainability, we we have a shifting 
moment between in, in the relationship with the consumer. And in there I can see totally how you say if a consumer explicitly but not exclusively I, I guess at HMM will be surprised after the, the buy and then sees oh this is more sustainable than I thought. This might have a bigger impact on, on the future shopping experience of this consumer than if you had kind of forced him or guided him or her or them into buying this. So I totally get that. Um, from there, maybe do you see in general a different customer relationship now happening after these 10 years of sustainability communication and, and like at least showcasing it to consumers? And HMM has always been on the forefront of, you know, at least communicating on sustainability in, in many different ways. Do you feel the HMM customer has also changed and or the customer relations that HMM has? Yes and no. Um, I want to say no because the, the wish of the customers worldwide is still make me feel good, right? That's a trigger. That this is the reason you go into a store or... You you open the app, right? You you don't come here to be lectured. You don't come here to to get more data. You wanna you know that hasn't changed. You wanna feel great, mm -hmm. and that's a need we want to cater to. Now, what has changed is. Um, the options we want to give our customers. So um, I would say, had you said 10 years ago, had you said maybe you don't need to own the pieces you buy, then everybody would have said you're crazy. But yeah. right now, it's an interesting thought process of saying, why not offering fashion that makes you feel great but you don't own it maybe you have to give it back so um, more uh, fashion as a service model or something like rental second hand um, and that's a field I need that's a field I feel the industry now uh, needs to have fantastic answers in to say what new models of consumption can we find to make the uh, customer still feel great but have less impact. And I mean, yeah, obviously that's, I guess, what every company that is sensible nowadays is trying to decouple from use of resources and still make money and still grow uh, in, in, in the one or the other meaning. Um And I mean, that's then a, a great development, really, that one now can introduce these things to, to, to customers. And I guess this also has a lot to do with, with well, overall general society developments. But I, I mean, I was really surprised in the last couple of years when from time to time I had a bit of insight in the younger generations and really saw how reselling is for some young uh, fashion interested people this really normal everyday part of their life they buy something and they resell it and sometimes they even make money with it or at least they don't lose as much money i mean i remember my very first time in my lovely hometown osnabrück at an h&m store and 
obviously back in those days the price was a massive trigger for me and and it it did give me a lot of uh, positive feelings because i felt oh for my little money here as a pupil still at, in school i can still get cool stuff here and and uh, yeah so i totally get this 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 original um elements um and just nowadays Yeah, we know that most people don't really use the clothes they have so much. So there is so much debt value lying around in our wardrobes. And I think these ideas of new business models make enormously a lot of sense. And seeing HMM in that space obviously also gives hope that this might be a model for the future. I guess, I don't know, how much can you talk about how far are you with these business models nowadays how, how big is your own hope i mean that that actually things that are developing within that that universe of hmm will will be impactful on the whole industry in the next couple of years do you see some of these business models already taking off it's hard to predict exactly where the where we are going and the industry is going um, you see new players come come up and explode in their size And so it's it's really hard to say um, where this is going. What we can say is that there is a standing commitment of making the supply chain of H&M net positive by 2040. So we have to find a way to make money without you know increasing the use of resources. That's for sure. Um, and to achieve that, we'll test and, and learn with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, different models. And what we've seen is, for example, that you now can shop secondhand on hm.com, which is a fantastic achievement if you understand how complex it can be to add different, you know, uh, brands to your page and so forth. Um, so the honest answer is the commitment stands and we want to find the solution, but it's, it's unrealistic now to say this is exactly the path because we're trying second hand, trying the integration of Salpi, We're trying uh, rental in certain stores. Uh, for example, if you you are in London right now or you're in Barcelona, you can try them. We'll learn along with our customers what they like, how they like it. And of course, we'll scale whatever makes sense. Um, so am I hopeful? Yes, absolutely. Do I know which percentage what it's it's going to to be in ten years? No, but um, we do our best to find out. Still not able to predict the future. What a shame! But um, the hope I think is is something that that we really need at the moment. And I'm also actually I I was quite hopeful after after that event um, when I learned a little bit more. Uh, about the different uh, experiences that that HMM has has collected with with these different business models, um, but maybe obviously I don't, I don't, didn't mean that we want to really uh, predict anything here, but maybe with these experiences of the last couple of years in in all kind of different experimentations that HMM is running, 
have you and, and coming back to this customer relationship element there have you seen things that that surprised you where you thought like oh wow actually this is this seems to work better than than one has to or was there something like an oh we just have to change one thing here in the perception and and suddenly one can see that actually it makes more sense than we thought was there anything surprising that that maybe gives you but also potentially our audience even more hope what gave us hope was to see how well trusted H&M as a service provider is in a way so uh -huh. as soon as we started to integrate other brands on our website it was surprising how well this this worked and uh, same is true for the second hand so Again, had you t tried it 10 years ago, maybe it would have failed. But to, to see now, it's one experience. If you open the app and you shop for a fantastic outfit that you love, could be a second hand, could be virgin. Um, but the experience is one flow. So you open the app, you collect what you like, you get it delivered. And that's, I want to say, that's um, an example of an experience that customers wanted and um, that worked really well. Yeah, I guess this is a very, it's an important key element. The customer needs to feel well while doing it, and and the comfort and 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 kind of the easiness of things is is just a super important element of any kind of uh, um, customer-facing activity, I guess nowadays. So, so then I guess part of 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 this and what you where you said that you saw this also creating positive hope to 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 see these things grow into proper businesses. Um. This one flow, as you ex explain it, is that even, I mean, is this something maybe where we can predict the future a bit more, that we're going to even have more platforms that kind of combine different services? Um, because that's where I always wonder. I, I do really like the idea of being able to rent uh, more clothes in the future. And I'm trying this, I'm doing this here in Berlin very locally with with a, a lovely uh, little service called Pool. But obviously, it's, it's it's still very niche. And then this is not very connected to all my other needs. And I feel if I would for myself be able to uh, wish for something in the future, then my wardrobe would be very agile in itself. And it would contain rented pieces. It would contain secondhand pieces. There would maybe be even a section which is in a continuous flow because it's it's kind of you know, in a, in a circle of friends and it's not even my part, it's it's an it's an open part of my wardrobe uh, where I might sometimes even not know, do I have the t-shirt right now or does it have my friend X, Y, Z? Is this something maybe when you say like you see this experience, one flow works well with your experiments, that we become even more platform orientated and consumer facing and you get more services together in a comfortable way and could... Therefore, also players like HMM, this size, have have a, a special role to play in the future because you are one of the few players that can offer these services in, in, in such a way. 
even also for other brands. I mean, I see also Zalando, for example, is now opening up so that you can use their logistic also as a small brand, etc. So I see there's a bit of a development in the industry where the big ones are opening up also more their services for smaller ones. But there's a, a general tendency towards the consumer to make it as easy as possible and ideally like, yeah, all in one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very hard for me to, to answer that as an H&M spokesperson, of course. But um, my personal feeling would be that um, people will not like the idea of having too many different platforms. Um, I mean, if... If I, for example, me as a consumer now speaking, if I have to go on to 10 different platforms to find my outfit for the next day, I get like totally overwhelmed and I don't have enough time and, and patience to, you know, pick and choose from 10 different services. But so me personally, I believe... People will always gravitate towards a brand they trust. And if that brand offers more services, fantastic. Would even say to, to add to your vision could also be that there is a surprise element into it. So yeah. that you pick and choose your outfit, but the T-shirt gets picked by somebody else for you. Just so... It's a surprise me feature. Yeah. So I I believe there are many options, especially in the digital field, um, how exactly this is going to be divided between the brands. Of course, every big platform now is fighting to be the one uh, platform where everything is possible, but that you had with... Um, other platforms as well. I mean, talk about Facebook. Look at what yeah. Instagram tried. Talk about shopping on TikTok, right? So I believe there are many trends out there trying to say, hey, we are the platform where you find everything. Yeah, I guess everybody wants to be the one. And that again probably also is a bit of a problem. Which brings me maybe to the one of our last questions then for today. Um, but also I think this is an important one. It's a question of standards, um, uh, data standards, also quality standards, etc. I, I, I guess we, we both uh, see that there's a lack of quite a few ones here and there. And I mean, this, this discussion about platforms brings me to that. First from the thought, for example, I'm currently using probably 10 different Channels for communication, Signal and WhatsApp and normal text. And I still use a phone and I still use email. And then there's Slack and then there's LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and Telegram. I don't even know anymore. So that's not a great idea, I think. And I really hope that we find a way of getting this more standardized together. And so like using this example, I feel the similar thing would need to be there. If we have then maybe 10 great platforms in, in the future for fashion, probably I would still wish that there's some interaction between them and, and, and so on. So let's move away from this concrete example, but standards. Um, do you also see that these kind of standards uh, or standards in general are still missing a bit in this whole sustainability game? And and where is like the standing with, with HMM? Are you trying to develop standards 
alone or with others together. Can you comment on that somehow? How do you want to achieve circular fashion if there is no system, standardized system of what happens with the gums when they are brought back, right? So right now, we, just as many other people in the industry, are trying hard to find a good way to um, make use of the garments that are given back to us. Because um, mostly you don't exactly know what fibers you have in the, the garments you get back. Yeah. But that question, that data set, if you will, That is like the the first step in the circular fashion model because if you don't know what you have in front of you, how do you want to separate them? How do you want to make new yarn out of it? So H&M together with others is trying hard to, to find standards in the backstage area of the fashion industry, if you will. Um to make sure we as an industry understand what do we need as a common ground to to communicate between the not only fashion brands but also the sorters and the recyclers and the spinners and so forth. Um, and to be honest, European Union tries to achieve the same. Right, we have uh, more and more regulation of saying this is what needs to be on the product passport. This is the information everybody needs to have access to. Yep. So, of course, I mean, to have the standards that everybody can use the raw material you put on the market, I would say this is one of the key solutions for the industry for the future but also it goes beyond that because um what happens with the garment who did it did it belong to who, can we share the revenue maybe so the more data we get in the future the more interesting the supply chain will be and interesting in a sense of we can work more with it and we can also create more new solutions i guess eh? of course and there will be many many interesting new companies being found and and say we have an idea we have a solution uh, we know how to fill the gap i mean one of these interesting thoughts and i sometimes have some of them um i had lately i i watched this uh um speech um there's a new book um how was this oh, i'm so bad with names I, i i'll put it in the in the show notes afterwards i think uh something levermann uh, a german um climate uh, researcher And uh, his book is called Faltung der Erde, The Folding of the World. Um, and it reminded me on, on a thought that I had during my second studies, not that the ones that we had both in Osnabrück, but I studied in Nottingham uh, fashion design, actually. And there I always wondered, like our teachers were giving us like the complete freedom, like, yeah, design what you want. No, it's, there's no limit. And I was like, no, why? That's not A, not realistic, and B, it's not helping me, actually. I always felt more creative when there is a limitation. And that was 
long talk now, but when you just said like, okay, in the moment when we have standards, um, then we can work with them or work, do more work in the supply chain. I had this thought again with the limitation of having some clear standards, but the clarity of them, then one can get super creative within that space. And where I, I often think this is a much bigger trigger. So limitation is a much bigger trigger sometimes for creativity than the complete openness. And so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of add this as a little thought. And again, as a point of hope um, that if we manage to get some proper standards running in the next three, four years, five years, maybe, I hope that, um, then I see there could be such a dynamic and, and actually things happening because there's so many solutions also out there. I mean, I don't know, Fashion for Good and so many other accelerator programs, um, the HMM internal one, I mean, the, the, the Innovation Award, obviously, so many interesting uh, uh, um, solution providers that went through there that are out there trying to do something. But I always feel it's, they also, they, they can't even really attach themselves into the industry yet. And I think part of that is because there's so little standards and they each, everything has to always be, yeah, very individually adapted. Um, so yeah, I see a lot of hope there and, um, yeah, thanks for also implementing this in, 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 in this uh, conversation. Um, maybe to get to an end slowly, um, but also become a little bit more personally. Um, yeah, since we know each other for quite a while, even though we didn't study really together, we just had, we were on the same kind of campus, um, I think n neither you nor me would have thought that we go this kind of career. I mean, when I was studying in Osnaburg, I think I had maybe some ideas about sustainability, but just because in my, in my, with my parents, I mean, this was a topic, uh, environmental topics, social topics, etc. But I didn't have any, I didn't even knew the word sustainability, I guess. I'm not 100% sure, but I would claim I didn't, and certainly not circularity, or this was far, far away. So looking back, um, maybe a bit more personal way, um, A, what, what do you think about your own career? I mean, you've been with HMM now such a long time, starting in, you've always been in communication, starting with sustainability, now a bit broader public affairs. Um, yeah, maybe start with that. How do, you, how do you look back at your own journey and, and how much hope is connected to that, maybe? I like to phrase life is lived forward but understood backward mm. and uh, this is totally true for myself because I stumbled into fashion that's for sure so uh, whenever I get the question what do you have as a career advice I always say I have no career advice because just um, stumble yeah no Just do what feels right as a next step and then you'll figure it out. Because for me at that time, I tried to run for parliament as a politician, failed miserably. Um, and it was my plan C or D or even lower to, to be in communication. Right, so I, I stumbled onto a job advertisement that H&M was looking for a spokesperson for sustainability. And my gut instinct was, 
why would they hire somebody to talk about that? <laughs> you know? Um, you, so you were not so convinced? I wasn't convinced at all. But then did some research and found out, oh, interesting. They do so many things. They have a communication issue and not a content issue. So that's when I got hooked on H&M. I loved it ever since. But um, had you said when we would have met on, on campus and had you told me you'll be in fashion soon and stay there for 12 years, they have laughed. And, and, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in very different ways because I, I the only thing that I stay true to is I guess that I always worked for myself now with my own company and not that alone anymore, uh, luckily also. But yeah, I can totally agree with this kind of, yeah, just go for the next step. That's that's um, also what led me here. Um, but also then on this more personal level, if we look then into the future now, um, I mean, it's it's such a complicated uh, environment we are in with all, with several wars now, with like continuous crisis, etc. Um But I feel, again, to this, this topic of like inspiring. So um, do you think we we will find our way? And, and what is kind of a little bit um, a timeline there to also give a little bit of hope to, to yeah, all these people that are listening uh, to us here and that might uh, be sometimes overwhelmed by all these problems right now because, well, they are overwhelming. Um, I mean, just a suggestion Like I commented before, my belief is that at the moment we, we still gonna need some three to five years to get to proper standards. Um, and until then also, it doesn't even make that much sense from my point of view to talk about how sustainable is a product or not because we simply don't have the means to analyze it. But we have a great time now for the next three to five years while some nerdy people hopefully figure out the standards. I'm happy to help on the side, but not my job. But that we can talk about um, the visions. Where do we want to go? And, and, and if fashion can play a role in there. And, and I feel concretely in like designing business models that can be something very concrete, but also in general, in the discourse with the customers. And uh, yeah, do you, do you have similar kind of Hope and what what kind of timeframes are there? Do you think in five years we will see proper change already, or in ten years, or where do you do you have a feeling for? Okay, now finally we are on the edge, and and maybe it takes another this and so many years for yeah for for us to look back. Let me answer timeline first um, because I believe the the best time to act is now. Really? Um, because I believe we have no time to say, oh, we can sit back three years and, and just wait it out. No, we can make big shifts today so we'll consume differently tomorrow. Um, will this have an impact worldwide? Well, maybe not. Um, but if I look back now, I want to say, in in general, every major innovation in fashion is my impression took ten years. So it took ten years to establish materiality, 
to then another 10 years to establish uh, garment collecting. Maybe it will take another 10 for new models of consumption. I hope we're faster. Uh, let's see. But to end this with a hopeful, hopeful quote um, or to end this with a hopeful outlook, I would say establish a 10x mindset. Don't try to improve things you see by 0.3%. If we squeeze it a little here, it can get a little better. Now, think about it. What would it take to make it 10 times better? Don't think about how to further improve combustion engine. Think about electric engine. What so so the big vision behind this and um, fashion it certainly could be something like what if we don't own the things we love? So I wanna say we need more of those 10x ideas and and that gives me hope that there are quite a few out there. Great. I didn't even want to say anything, but I think I have to finish it off. But I think that was our finishing words. And I can only agree. And I hope we're going to talk about that again and go a bit deeper into some of these parts. It has been a bit of a, a roller coaster journey here today. We touched on so many different topics. Um, but I, I I really enjoyed it. And, and I hope um, our audience also. And for me, It is also important to have these kind of discussions to showcase it's, um, well, we, we, we all need to kind of really even talk more together and get even more together into these different solutions and create this bouquet of, of solutions. And yeah, and I think the guideline of 10x is extremely good for that. Um, so thank you so much, Henrik, to be here today. Um, I would just also like to really thank our listeners to tuning in to this podcast again. As usually, we will leave a few links in the um, uh, podcast show notes uh, for your further deep dive into some of the things we talked about. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to have Henrik here back at some stage, maybe not only in 10 years time, but a little bit earlier mm -hmm. to talk about some of the changes happening, which is a more and more dynamic field. And yeah, if you have people in your network, dear listeners, who want to learn more about sustainability and fashion, share this episode on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from because we are there. And we are also very excited to share the first teaser of our next pop-up during Berlin Fashion Week in February 2024. Uh, you can already sign up for our newsletter at 202030summit.com and follow us on social media at 202030summit. Stay up to date. Stay healthy and see you or hear you soon again. Thank you. Thank you.